everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks at Kudo, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while learning about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, X Kudo, and today we'll be diving into a bit of Persian mythology. Turns out, you girl knew more about Persian myths than she actually realised. I went out with one of my really, really dear friends Sunday, and we hadn't seen each other in quite a long time. And true to our love of books, we obviously couldn't let her out and go without a visit to the bookstore. They had a sale, and we ended up with some beautiful collector's editions of some classics. She got an absolutely gorgeous compilation of Lindell's Alice in Wonderland tales. Seriously, this book was just gorgeous. Had cover, there was actual boning, it was amazing. And I got myself a copy of some Arabian stories, bound just as beautifully. I started the book when I got home, true to my nature as an avid reader, and quickly realised I knew a good bit of the stories in it. I should have known I picked up Persian fairy tales at some point. Go figures. Anyway, that's how I came into acquisition of the book, and I decided that I would share some of the tales with you guys, not only to help spread the knowledge of these Persian stories, but also for your enjoyment, because these stories are quite riveting and fantastical. And sometimes, that's all we want in a story. To go along with our journey into times long since past, I think a nice herbal brew would suffice. And today's tea is ginger tea. A good few of you guys probably have experience taking this tea for a common cool, most likely. I took it once to help clear my sinuses. It didn't taste too bad. But god, did I cough. I coughed till my throat was sore, and I was pretty sure some of my lungs weren't where they were supposed to be. It was horrible. And after I finally stopped coughing, I could barely speak. My throat was so sore, it hurt to even breathe. It was horrible. My lungs hated me. So while it tasted quite nice, I don't have a very real fear of dying via violent coughing fit should I partake in it ever again. Maybe I'll get over it. Who knows? Anyway, in addition to being a great remedy for the common cold, and clearly for blocked airways, ginger tea is, a, is also great for easing inflammation as well. It can also alleviate nausea from chemotherapy, and is good for morning sickness. So quite a helpful little brew we have here. So now that we have our book and our tea, let's get into it. Now, Aladdin and the Arabian Nights has a number of fantastical tales, and I think most of you haven't ever heard a, pa- a Persian fairy tale, sorry. Or if you did, you only know the bare minimum. So I'll be reading the stories themselves as they are split into chapters in the book, and then I'll be discussing them afterwards. And this way, you not only get my take on the story, but you also get to see, you know, a couple of fairy tales from an entirely different culture, which I think is pretty cool. Now, the book opens up with the tale of Skeha Herazadi, a mouthful I know, but she's a princess, so I guess she's entitled to her fancy names. So please lend me your air as we begin this lovely tale. The Tale of Skeha Herazadi. Right. The chronicles of the Sassanians, ancient kings of Persia, tell us that there was formerly a king of that potent family who was regarded as the most excellent prime of his time. He was as much beloved by his subjects for his wisdom and prudence as he was dreaded by his neighbours, on account of his valour and well-disciplined troops. He had two sons, the elder, Skaha Ria, 
the worthy heir of his father and endowed with all his virtues, the younger, Skaha Zenon, a prince of equal merit. After a long and glorious reign, this king died, and Skaharia mounted his throne, Skahazenon, being excluded from all share in the government by the laws of the empire, was so far from envying the happiness of his brother that he made it his whole business to please him, and in this succeeded without much difficulty. Skaharia, who had naturally a great affection for the prince, his brother, gave him the kingdom of Great Tartari. Skahazenon went immediately and took possession of it, and fixed the seat of his government at Skamarkand, the metropolis of the city. After they had been separated ten years, Skaharia, being very desirous of seeing his brother, resolved to send his vizier to invite him to his court. When he came near the city, Skahazenon was informed of his approach, and went to meet him, attended by the principal lords of his court, who, to show the greater honour to the sultan's minister, appeared in magnificent apparel. The king of Tartari received the ambassador with the greatest demonstrations of joy, and immediately asked him concerning the welfare of the sultan his brother. The vizier, having acquainted him that he was in health, informed him of the purpose of his embassy. Skahazenon was much affected and answered, Sage vizier, the sultan my brother does me too much honour. Nothing could be more agreeable to me, for I as ardently long to see him as he does to see me. My kingdom is at peace, and I want no more than ten days to get myself ready to return with you. There is therefore no necessity for your entering the city for so short a period. I pray you to pitch your tents here, and I will order everything necessary to be provided for yourself and your attendants. The vizier readily complied, and Skahazenon, having made his preparations at the end of ten days, took leave of the queen his wife, and went out of town in the evening with his retinue. He pitched his royal pavilion near the vizier's tent, and conversed with him till midnight. Wishing once more to see the queen, whom he ardently loved, he returned alone to his palace, when, to his inexpressible grief, he found her trafficking with his enemies for his betrayal. Before the conspirators were aware of his presence, the unfortunate prince, urged by his just resentment, drew his scimitar and slew them, and then pitched their bodies into the fosse which surrounded the palace. Having thus avenged himself, he returned to his pavilion, without saying one word of what had happened gave orders that the tents should be struck, and before day began his march, with kettle-drums and other instruments of music, that filled everyone with joy, excepting the king. He was so much afflicted by the disloyalty of his wife, that he was seized with extreme melancholy, which preyed upon his spirits during the whole of his journey. When he drew near the capital of Persia, the sultan Skaharia and all his court came out to meet him, the princes were overjoyed to see one another, and having alighted after mutual embraces and other marks of affection and respect, remounted and entered the city amidst the acclamations of the people. The sultan conducted his brother to the palace provided for him, which had a communication with his own by a garden. It was so much the more magnificent, as it was set apart as a banqueting house for public entertainments and other diversions of the court. Skaharia immediately left the king of Tartari, that he might give him time to bathe and to change his apparel, 
As soon as he had done, he returned to him again, and they sat down together on a sofa or alcove, and the two princes entertained one another suitably to their friendship and their long separation. The time of supper being come, they ate together, after which they renewed their conversation, till Scaria, perceiving that it was very late, left his brother to repose. The unfortunate Skahazenin returned to bed, but although the conversation of his brother had suspended his grief for some time, it returned again with increased violence, so that, instead of, ta of taking his necessary rest, he tormented himself with the bitterest reflections. All the circumstances of, of his wife's treachery presented themselves afresh to his imagination, in so lovely a manner that he was like one distracted. Not being able to sleep, he arose and abandoned himself to the most afflicting thoughts, which made an impression upon his countenance it was impossible for the soldier not to observe. Baharia, distressed at the melancholy of his brother, endeavoured to divert him every day by new objects of pleasure and the most splendid entertainments, but these, instead of affording him ease, only increased his sorrow. One day, Skaharia, having appointed a great hunting match about two days' journey from his capital, in a place that abounded with deer, Kahazanin besought him to excuse his attendance, for his health would not allow him to bear his company. To bear him company, sorry. The Sultan, unwilling to put any constraint upon him, left him at his liberty and went a hunting with his nobles. The king of Tartari, being thus left alone, sought, shut himself up in his apartment and sat down at a window that looked into the garden. In this place, where he could see and not be seen, he soon became a witness of a circumstance which attracted the whole of his attention. A sacred gate of the sultan's palace suddenly opened, and there came out of it several persons, in the midst of whom walked the sultana was e easily distinguished from the rest by her majestic air. This princess, thinking that the king of Tartari was gone a-hunting with his brother the sultan, came with her retinue near the windows of his apartment, and the prince heard her hold treasonable conversation with some of her companions. The baseness of his brother's wife filled the king of Tartari with a multitude of reflections. How little reason had I, said he, to think that none was so unfortunate as myself. It is surely the unavoidable fate of all in power and high position to have their honour and estate conspired against. Such being the case, what a fool am I to kill myself with grief? I am resolved that the remembrance of a misfortune so common shall never more disturb my peace. From that moment he forbore afflicting himself. He called for his supper, ate with a better appetite than he had done since his leaving Skamakand, and listened with some degree of pleasure to the concert of vocal and instrumental music that was appointed to entertain him while at table. He continued after this very cheerful, and when he was informed that the sultan was returning, went to meet him and paid him his compliments with great gaiety. Skaharia, who expected to have found his brother in the same state he had left him, was overjoyed to see him so cheerful. Dear brother, said he, I return thanks to heaven for the happy change it has wrought in you during my absence, Pray do me the favour to tell me why you were so melancholy, and wherefore you are no longer so. The king of Tartari continued for some time as if he had been meditating and contriving what he should answer, but at last replied, You are my sultan and master, but excuse me, I beseech you from answering your question. No, dear brother, said the sultan, you must answer me, I will take no denial. 
Skahazanin, not being able to withstand these pressing entreaties, replied, Well then, brother, I will satisfy you since you command me, and having told me the story and having told him the story of the Queen of Skar, Markan's treachery, this, said he, was the cause of my grief. Judge whether I had not sufficient reason for my departure. Oh, my brother, said the Sultan, what a horrible event do you tell me. I commend you for punishing the traitors to your state and person. None can blame you for what you have done. It was just, and for my part, had the case been mine, I should scarcely have been so moderate. I now cease to wonder at your melancholy. The cause was too afflicting and too mortifying not to overwhelm you. O oh, heaven, what a strange adventure, but I must bless God, who has comforted you, and since I doubt not but your consolation is well grounded, be so good as to inform me what it is, and conceal nothing from me. Skahazanin was not so easily prevailed upon in this point as he had been in the other on his brother's account, but being obliged to yield to his pressing insistence, he related to his brother the conversation he had overheard. After having heard these things, he continued, I believe all women to be naturally treacherous. Being of this opinion, it seemed to me to be in them an unaccountable weakness to place any confidence in their fidelity. This reflection brought on many others, and, in short, I thought the best thing I could do was to make myself easy on my own account, and warn you to anticipate the sultana in her designs upon you. On hearing the dreadful tidings which his brother imparted to him, the sultan fell into an incontrollable rage, and instantly gave instructions for the execution of the sultana and her fellow conspirators. After this rigorous measure, being persuaded that no woman was to be trusted, he resolved, in order to prevent the disloyalty of such, as he should afterwards marry, to wed one every day and have her strangled next morning. Having, impo having imposed this cruel law upon himself, he saw that he would put it in force immediately. After the departure of the king of Tartari, who shortly took leave of him and, being laden with magnificent presents, set forward on his journey. Skahazanin, having departed, Skaharia informed his grand vizier of his vow, and ordered him to provide him with a new wife every day. Whatever reluctance the vizier might feel to put such orders in execution, as he would, would blind obedience to the sultan, his master, he was forced to submit, and thus every day was a maid married and a wife murdered. The rumour of this unparalleled barbarity occasioned a general consternation in the city, where there was nothing but crying and lamentation. Here a father in tears, and inconsolable for the loss of his daughter, and their tender mothers, dreading lest their daughters should share the same fate, filled the airs with cries of distress and apprehension, so that, instead of the commendations and blessings which the sultan had here hitherto received from his subjects, their mouths were now filled with imprecations. The grand vizier, who, as has always been observed, was the unwilling executioner of this horrid cause of injustice, had two daughters, the elder called Skeherazadi, and the younger Dinarazadi. The latter was highly accomplished, but the former possessed courage, wit, and penetration infinitely above her sex. She had read much, and had so admirable a memory that she never forgot anything she had read. She had successfully applied herself to philosophy to philosophy, medicine, history, and the liberal arts, and her poetry excelled the compositions of the best writers of her time. Besides this, she was of perfect beauty, and all her accomplishments were crowned by surpassing virtue. The vizier passion passionately loved this daughter, so worthy of his affection. One day, as they were conversing together, she said to him, Father, I have one favour to beg of you, and most humbly pray you to grant it. 
I will not refuse, answered he, provided it be just and reasonable. For the justice of it, resumed she, there can be no question, and you may, you may judge of this by the motive which obliges me to make the request. I wish to stop that barbarity which the Sultan exercises upon the families of this city. I would dispel those painful apprehensions which so many mothers feel of losing their daughters in such a fatal manner. Your design, daughter, replied the vizier, is very commendable, but the evil you would remedy seems to me incurable. How do you propose to effect your purpose? Father, said Speherazadi, since by your means the sultan makes every day a new marriage, I conjure you by the tender affection you bear me to procure, to procure me the honour of his hand. The vizier could not hear this without horror. Oh, heaven, he replied in a passion, have you lost your senses, daughter, that you make such a dangerous request? You know the sultan's vow. Would you have me propose you to him? Consider well to what you in the streets to what your in the streets you will expose you yes dear father replied the virtuous daughter i know the risk i run but that does not alarm me if i perish my debt will be glorious and if i succeed i shall do my country an important service no no said the vizier whatever you may offer to induce me to let you throw yourself into such imminent danger do not imagine that i will ever consent when the sultan shall command me to strike my poem dad into your heart alas i must obey and what an employment will that be for a father ah if you do not dread that at least cherish some fears of afflicting me with the mortal grief of embrewing my hands in your blood once more father replied skeherazadi grant me the favour i solicit your stubbornness resumed the vizier will rouse my anger why will you run headlong to your ruin they, they who do not foresee the end of a dangerous enterprise can never conduct it to a happy issue. I am afraid the same thing will happen to you as befell the ass, which was well off but could not remain so. What misfortune befell the ass? demanded Sheherazadi. I will tell you, replied the vizier, if you will hear me. Okay, so that was a mouthful of big names, but that was the end of the first tale in aladdin and the arabian night you get to meet Seherazadi, you get to meet her dad the vizier you get to meet skaharia and skahazenon and it's a really nice introduction and then from there almost all of his stories end up intertwining characters that you probably saw at the end of one story end up getting their own story later on and it's just a really nice um, fairy tale book of Persian myths. I, it may not be suitable for children with some mentions of that um, in some people's minds, but I think it was a really, I think it's a really nice um, fairy tale book. I think it is suitable for children, and that might be a bit of a controversial topic there, but I do think that it's good in um, getting some morals and lessons across, like not being too naive and... Um, making the best of what you have and that sort of thing. So this was really nice. The tale of Skeherazadi was really cool. Um, she when you as you read on, you'll find that she's actually a really courageous person. She's really brave. You know, she's finding out that um, the Sultan now because he experienced treachery once, he's taking it out on the entire female population of his kingdom, and she sees that she recognizes it's unjust, and she wants to fix it herself. And she has absolutely no fear of her death because, as she said, if she dies, it will be glorious. 
and if she succeeds it will be a win for her and her kingdom so i think that was really um that, that was a really like nice thing to read about because i mean most times fairy tales especially western fairy tales portray women as needing a knight in shining armor you see that with snow white and sleeping beauty and even to a lesser extent with aria because she needed to win the prince's favor to get back her voice so it was really nice to see um i guess a female knight quote unquote for lack of better words where she sees a problem and she takes it into her own hands to find a solution. She doesn't wait for a knight in shining armor to help slay her dragon. She goes to slay her dragon herself without any kind of fear or um uncertainty. She knows what she wants and she knows exactly how to get where she wants to be. So I think that was really I think that was really commendable, honestly. I mean how many of us could say or could remember how many times you let go of opportunities because of fear or uncertainty. I really think that's the worst that's one of the worst things in life to do, that you lost an opportunity because you were too fearful to, you know, reach out and take it. So maybe we all could learn something from Skahara Sadi and maybe hopefully at the end Skaharia realizes the fault in his ways and, you know, stops taking out his anger on the entire female population for one wrong done to him you know i feel like that's just a bit childish but who am i to tell a thousand what's childish and what's not so that was the first story in aladdin and the arabian nights we have a lot more and i feel like i may make this a sort of series i don't know it depends on how much you all like it so, um, yeah, you can let me know if this is something you're interested in or not. But I think it's nice, and I think it's, ni- it's nice to have knowledge of different cultures, even if it's just a fairy tale or two, because it shows that, you know, you took the incentive to learn something about that other culture, and in somebody else's eyes, that means that you are a person of character in that you are willing to put yourself out of your comfort zone to learn more about them and make them more comfortable and that's something that's really good i think that having a bit of diversity and perception across cultures can really help you know close any kind of gaps in terms of uh, discrimination or just in general in terms of making connections and i think if a lot of people took the time to understand one another rather than um be quick to provoke one another we'd have a lot less problems in the world so that's it for this review that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you for tuning in as always and if you feel so obliged give me a follow on instagram at ctalks.kuru you can also find this podcast on spotify amazon music and some samsung podcasts as well as the Acast platform. If you have a book you'd like reviewed or that you would like to review with me, feel free to DM me on Instagram at ttalksitkuro or email me at the same handle. So thank you for listening and I will see you next time.